Hi, my name is Ali Vignon, coach of the Flyers. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hi, I'm Matt Niskanen. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hello, this is Scott Gordon. Hi, this is Bob Clark. You're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Buenas noches! Bienvenidos a Snow the Goalie, el único podcast de los Flyers. El podcast de presidentes, el podcast de la gente, el podcast de pronosticadores, el podcast de Pampers y Pedialyte, lo único podcast de los Philadelphia Flyers. Me llamo Ross Joy. Puede encontrarme por Twitter y Instagram at JoyOnBroad. Conmigo, como siempre, es el amigo de todos, el amigo de mío. Es mi mejor amigo de los Flyers, Anthony Sanfilippo, que se puede encontrar por Twitter e Instagram. Adam Sanfilippo. Anthony, ¿cómo estás? Is it May 5th? No. El viernes. El viernes es el día de la Revolución Mexicana. Anyway. Ah. Yeah. I was trying to figure yeah. out what the big celebration Listen, I just for Spanish wanted, was. I just wanted to, you know, mix this up, especially... For our uh, our friends who check in and who are of Mexican heritage, we got the revolution coming up this uh, Friday. Mexican Revolution, of course. I'm sure you know a lot about that, Anthony. But I thought that we would we should just change it up a little bit. You know, the the off season is boring. Let's just let's just call it what it is. It's boring. We've got, for the most part, I think at this point, most podcasts are soliciting questions via a mailbag, which we could do, and maybe at some point we will do. I don't think we're quite at that point yet. Um, I do think that at some point we will have to go with a live show again uh, and send it through all the social channels and kind of treat it like a press row show. We'll do that as a live mailbag. We'll do that at some point in the near future. But I just wanted to kind of mix it up a little bit. You know, Anthony, it's just like any relationship. Sometimes you just have to mix in a little bit something new, just sometimes, right? So uh, we got a lot going on. And by a lot, I mean not a lot, but kind of a lot. So a few things to touch on. Um, I know that, you know, you and I have a little rundown here, which we don't usually do. We usually just kind of fly by the seat of our pants. But there are a few things. Uh, first thing, right off the bat, because a lot of people obviously listen in the very beginning, and this isn't something we have a whole lot to say on, but I'm sure that if you've been on Twitter or if you've been on Facebook and, and you've uh, seen this going around, there is a GoFundMe set up. Um, it's called the Brian Page 87 Strong. Uh, it's a GoFundMe that was set up. There was a... Um, a uh, young player from the U18 team who uh, uh, fractured two vertebrae and suffered ma major nerve damage, um, has gone through multiple surgeries already at Jefferson Hospital. We got this for the junior flyers, by the way. Yeah, uh, we got alerted to this uh, by Tyler Mole over on Twitter at Tmole91, um, who said that, uh, I believe he said that this was a, um, uh, a former player of his, if I remember correctly. Uh, I could go through the DM, but pretty sure. Anyway. Um, they're trying to raise, you know, a, a ton of money. There are medical bills that are involved here. I believe it was set up by one of his uh, teammates, uh, teammates yep. Corey Owens. Um, they're currently at $165,000. That's great. One, 165, 763. They've got a goal of $250,000. Uh, terrible, terrible injury. Uh, was airlifted to Jefferson for emergency surgery. Like I said, he's gone through multiple surgeries already, damage to the spinal cord and, um, from what everyone has said so far that's been around, he's an exceptional young, young human being, a young man and an exceptional young hockey player. And there's obviously ties here uh, as being part of the, the youth flyers. So if you have, if you have a, a few dollars that you can chip in, I know that times are tough, um, but that's certainly somebody who could use it. Um, whose family is, is going through a lot and a, a, and a kid who, you know, 
at this point has kind of had his, his life upended. So if, if you can um, try to find it in your heart to find a, a few bucks to throw that way, uh, it is the Brian Page, P-A-G-E, 87 strong. It's over on GoFundMe. We'll actually link to it in the uh, description of this episode if you want to chip in. Um, so we'll lead off with that. Um, all right, let's get into some things that are a little bit upbeat in nature. Anthony wanted to talk about this last week. Two weeks ago? It was two weeks ago. We've gone on like a bi-week. Uh, is it a bi-weekly or a semi-weekly schedule? If it's bi-weekly. So I've actually, I've gone back and forth on this because there, there are different journals that write that bi-weekly means, means twice, twice a, week. a week. That's wrong. It's bi-weekly. Is and semi-weekly, semi-weekly you would think would, would mean every other, but I'm guessing you're saying that semi-weekly is twice a week. Is that your, your thought? No, here? no, I'm not saying that at all. Okay. Semi-weekly suggests that it could be, you know, weeks between. There's no, there's no, you know, logical. So we're a semi-weekly podcast in the off-season. <laughs> so, welcome. Bienvenidos. Uh, snow the goalie here. Um, okay. So the reverse retro jerseys came out. And Anthony wanted to talk about this back when they got leaked. And I said, now nah, save it for another day because we wanted to get through some other things. And it's kind of critical that we talk about it because, uh, you know, when the initial leaks came out, I know that a lot of people were upset. And, and I think a lot of the, the problem that a lot of people had with it were the same kind of problems that you have brought up in the past, which is the Flyers have kind of gone from a very cool burnt orange that I think a lot of people, um, you know, uh, um, in their minds have affiliated with the flyers that connect with the flyers. And over the years, it is kind of, I don't know if I want to say devolved. Some people might say evolved, but I would say maybe has devolved into this kind of like orange safety cone, neon orange. It's, it's become a pumpkin orange is what it's become. You think it's a pumpkin? Well, they're current. It's, pumpkin. it's like a pumpkin orange. Pumpkin, yeah. pumpkin, pumpkin. Okay. I think it's neon, but you say pumpkin. I don't know. It's not a very natural pumpkin. I guess, but I digress. So the, the biggest problem that you had from what I remember back when the, the jerseys leaked was that it wasn't a burnt orange, which means it can't be a reverse retro because the pumpkin orange, as you call it, the neon orange, as I call it, wasn't around when these jerseys came out. So, so the biggest how do you feel about the burnt orange now? The problem I have, Russ, is that they tried to make it burnt orange and didn't quite get there. So this is, this is different from the, the you know, pumpkin slash neon orange, mm -hmm. um, but it's not quite the the burnt orange of the 80s and 90s when, you know, those teams were wearing what would be a retro jersey. So it's a um, slightly decomposed pumpkin? Yeah, it's not quite, it's not quite to the, so the burnt orange that was the classic color of the Flyers, it is it, kind of almost, it, it pushes close to the red. Right, but you you could still tell it's orange, but you could see the the hints of the red um, in that orange. Okay, uh, the current color is you know post-it note orange. It's 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 like a <laughs> it's hard to explain. It's just it's not just, as bad as highlighter orange, but it's it's closer to highlighter orange than being a red orange. Yeah, it's no, there's Everybody no. Go, there's, all right, most people are going to have to teach their kids from home now. So everybody go to your child's arts and crafts area <laughs> of the home, grab your 64 color Crayola box, and let's take a look at some real oranges and orange reds. Yeah, okay? yeah, it's, and there, there's no hint of red. The, what they're doing with this reverse retro is trying to get closer to that burnt orange with hint of red, but not quite going all the way. Mm -hmm. it's, so it's not, it's, this is a new orange. It's a new, new color that they've, 
not worn before. So I don't know how retro it is. Okay, so that's one of the problems I have with it. Okay. When the Flyers wore the jerseys back in, these are based on what, 1995? Who made the jerseys in 95? Do you know? I think it was, well, there was a time when it was Bauer and there was a time when it was Nike uh, or Reebok, rather. Uh, (laughs) I'm looking to see if I can find it really quickly because... uh, I want to go back even further. If you go back to uh, the 80s when it was burnt orange, you're talking Eagle and then CCM were the two companies that made those jerseys. Now, Eagle went out of business. Yeah. Um, CCM, uh, they merged. I forget who they merged with. But and Bauer became Nike. Uh, but Reebok, because I remember... I, I bring it up because the, the reason that I think we've fallen on hard times with the orange is because of a, a change of design. If you think about it, remember when the, uh, the NFL switched to the Nike jerseys the Eagles fans were really upset that the midnight green wasn't midnight green. And it became a, well, there's a, there's a difference in the material. And then there's a coloring palette thing that they have that's proprietary versus what another company might have. So yeah, could but it you just know be a simple, I, a simple a, issue of that, or is it just like too think, bad to make I, the I color do it right? I think that's BS. I, I have a son who works at Lowe's in the paint department. Okay. As his, as his part-time job. And he can match any color in paint. I mean, you can match any color. I mean, like your son is the rain man of paint. Yeah. Uh, And so he says, just bring me the color and I can match it. So like, I don't understand why that can't be done in material. Like if you can do it in paint, why can't you do it in in material? Like, why can't you match that color? So, I mean, there's a lot of problems with this reverse retro jersey. That's just problem number one. Yeah. Go ahead. Go on. That was that was all I had to say. I just oh. pulled up. I just pulled up a little bit of history. I don't remember which ones. You said CCM, Coho, Eagle, CCM, Coho, I don't, Nike, I don't Nike, Starter, Nike. and Pro Player were all ones oh. that 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 wow, came. Starter. Up. I forgot about Starter. Yeah, doing that Pro Play. I don't remember Pro Player doing. I don't Nike. remember Pro Player either. So, but they did. Uh, I went to the ever uh, reasonable and reliable Wikipedia. Oh yeah, is what you call it. Yeah. Yeah. Weren't they uh, part of Fruit of the Loom Pro Player? I think they were a subset of Fruit of the Loom. Anyway, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. We've gone so far into the weeds yeah. on the color. Okay. So you're upset that they can't match the color. They can't your match son the can. orange. So if you buy one of the reverse retros, take your jersey <laughs> to, to Anthony's uh, son at Lowe's. He will be happy to paint it for you <laughs> and just feel like an absolute boss. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of the black on the shoulders. Okay. I, I, I could live with it if the entire sleeve was black with maybe just like that one white stripe kind of by the, the elbow crease. Yeah. But by making those sleeves at the bottom white, that's just terrible. It's just awful. Yeah. I mean, it really, it really, and, and they this whole notion of, well, it's the reverse of what it used to be. I guess that's the reverse in reverse retro. Yeah. It doesn't work like that with every team, but okay. I, I, for the Flyers, if that's what we're going with, if that's the explanation we're going with, it's just no good. It's just no good. I, you know, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why they just couldn't go back to that uniform from the 80s and 90s. If you wanted to go retro, just go with that uniform. Yeah. You didn't need to, you didn't need to modify it in any way. Just bring it back. So I, I guess I'm in agreement with you on the white on the sleeves. 
And, you know, like I, people were sniping at each other on uh, on Twitter and Facebook. I know it's surprising. They were sniping at each other because people were like, I don't like the white. I like every other part of it. And people are like, well, it says reverse. It says reverse. So it has to, you have to switch the black and the white, which is fine. But like, you don't have to do it 100%, right? Like you've, you've changed. You don't have a, to do a, anything. You know, you've changed a decent amount of well, it. And, I, and listen, there are other designs that were done that are better uh, across and the they didn't, And they didn't reverse anything. Well, That's what I'm did. saying. The, the, the Penguins one that got released was a reverse. That one was, sure. Um, I think Arizona's was as well, if I remember. Yeah, some, some of them were, but, but some of them were not. I guess that this is, this is part of the problem, and, and I, I don't want to get into this one with you because I know where you're going to stand on it. But, like, isn't this part of the problem with never really taking a risk in your jersey design, in your sweater design? Like, if you look at some of the other jerseys that were put out uh, by other teams, there were some very questionable decisions made over the decades, but fundamentally different designs. The Flyers haven't ever really ventured away from their standard design. I mean, there have been some modifications in the placement of, you know, where the, um, uh, the trim, the trim changes are like in corresponding with it around the shoulders and then down the arms. There's not that much variance though, which is what makes something like this. I think so much harder. Like, I know that you wouldn't want to see them mess with the sacred flyers logo, but like maybe at some point it's worth doing on an alternate, just so that like one, you have something that fundamentally looks different in case somebody really likes it. And two, you know, when you do concepts like this, maybe it actually gives you a little bit more flexibility. Like I think the flyers just kind of, I think they're good looking jerseys for the most part. I think most of the sweaters that the flyers have rolled out over their history have been fine. I don't know if I really liked the, the more recent all black with the really hard to read orange on the back around the nameplates. But like for the most part, I think the flyers do a pretty good job with their sweaters. They're not risk takers. I don't know exactly what you could do if you were going to remove the logo like, would you do Philadelphia across it the way that Pittsburgh has that diagonal Pittsburgh design? Does that does that catch anybody's eye? Do you change it up where you put Philadelphia Flyers or just Flyers across the chest and you do it in, in a different way? I don't know if that changes things all that much for anybody. And I don't know how the traditionalists and then, of course, how like some of the, the newer, younger fans would react to it. But when you look at these, there was a, um, uh, a Phantoms jersey from earlier this year that's almost identical. This even harkens back to like when Mike Richards and, and Jeff Carter were playing for the Phantoms. Now, granted, some of those were a, a purple design, but like the same kind of idea of where things cut off are more or less identical. These aren't very creative. And if, if this is the way that you're going to go, maybe take the, the white down further or put the white and then have black finish it from mid forearm down just so that you still get that hint of the white. But like, to me, they're almost something where they look like a three quarter length sleeve like you want to just roll that up you want to minimize the amount of white that's on the bottom and i bet you that once people are allowed back in arenas there will be a lot of people who are going to buy these because they're going to like the overall aesthetic but they're going to roll those sleeves up or they're going to push those sleeves up because it's just not a great look not a great look it's terrible and i'll tell you if you look at what some of the other teams did um they just went with a retro uniform like the Rangers brought back the Lady Liberty jersey, which I was never really a huge fan of the logo, but that's just what they did. The Islanders, that's what I'm talking about, though, right? Like that's a that's a different logo. That's something yeah. the Flyers just don't experiment with. So maybe 
maybe it would be nice to see the Flyers do something like that. Yeah, I'm, 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 I like the traditional logos. I know you do. I know you I do. really do. The Islanders, they went back to their 1980 uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's identical. Like, there's nothing different about it. The, the Devils brought back the green, which was their original color. They weren't black. They were green, white, and red. Um, and we called them the Christmas jerseys. But um, they look exactly the same as they did in 1982. The LA let me, Kings. Let me throw this one out to you really quickly. Was this a missed opportunity to not go with? Now, I know that like the Oscar story has had a like a really positive development. He got to play at the end of the season, and maybe if if he hadn't completed uh, his treatment at this point, maybe this would have been a, a bigger thought. But like, did the Flyers miss an opportunity by not going with that purple um, hockey battling cancer kind of idea? Well, I know, like a lot of people wanted to buy those like, nope, nobody went with, something nobody went with a whole new color like nobody went with a brand new color for the team i'm just saying given the circumstances like mm. could that have could that have been something that people would have bought into i think they would have no no okay. no i don't okay. think so um the kings went back to their purple and gold that's what they wore in you know in the, in the early eighties, especially, yeah. I forget when they switched over to the black and silver. I think that was in the mid to late eighties, but um, so some teams just went back to the uniform that they had before the Oilers, the Panthers, um, you know, some teams just went retro and it was, it's cool. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not a fan of what some of these teams are doing. Like, you know, Carolina went with the Hartford Whaler Jersey, right. And all that they did different is it's like a gray instead of a white. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, all right, fine. And, you know, there's no ties to Carolina and Hartford other than the fact that it's a cool logo and a cool uniform. The Avalanche went with the Nordiques jersey and just did it in like the maroon of the Avalanche colors. So the Fleur de Lis are in maroon, um, but they have the Nordiques logo. Yep. Oh, okay, fine. Then why did the Minnesota Wild not go with the Minnesota North Stars? They didn't. Why didn't they put the N uh, there? You know, the big N. The Winnipeg Jets went with the old Winnipeg Jets logo. That's not the current Winnipeg Jets logo. They went with that. That was cool. Again, gray. They put like a grayish color. Um, but why, like the Wild went with the North Stars colors, but kept the Wild logo. Like that's stupid. Like yeah. to me. Like so. I like there was a lot of inconsistency. In this whole thing, like it almost seems like it wasn't coordinated that each team was basically said, hey, we want to do some kind of retro jersey come up, but, you know, maybe a little bit different. You come up with the design and then Adidas will put it together. Like that's kind of like what I think that they did. And to me, I think it's a flop. I think it's a failure because of that. If there was a coordination where Adidas said, here's what we're doing and here's where we're getting it from. And then every team had a similar vein. Then okay, fine. Then I, I think like I think the Ducks is awful. Did you see what the Ducks one? They went with that one with the giant cartoon duck jumping out of the ice yeah. instead of just the goalie mask duck. Like that was. Why the, are you so upset about that one? Oh my god, it's like it's a cartoon. Yeah, it's a freaking cartoon on a on a hockey jersey. It's terrible. Are you, are you offended by uh, uh, Calgary's? Eh, I get it. I mean, it's the stampede, right? They got with the horse, right? And I, I kind of understand that. Yeah, I don't like it. I mean, I would prefer the flaming sea. Yeah, but I mean, I get it. At least I'll be honest with you. The the Anaheim one doesn't bother me because that takes me back to 
to like the oh, the Mighty so, Ducks days. But this, but just go with the old logo with sure. the with the with the goalie Correct. mask that with the bill on it. Yeah, it still takes you back to the Mighty Ducks, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You don't need the stupid mascot jumping out of the ice, like, and he's wearing the jersey that they should be wearing. Like, yeah. if you look at the jersey that he's wearing, can I throw this out to you? This is. This is where I think the Flyers missed an opportunity. I know you hate when I bring up soccer, but I will. So a, a few years ago, the union brought back um, the Bethlehem Steel logo. For those who don't know, I mean, if, you, if you've ever been to Steel Stacks, it's in their gift shop everywhere. Not the union jersey, but like Bethlehem Steel was, was an, an old professional team. And it was a red and black design, paid homage, obviously, to the steel factories. You get it. So at one point, the union rolled out this alternate jersey that paid homage to Bethlehem Steel. Why couldn't the Flyers pay homage to the Philadelphia Quakers? Or the like, Blazers? Yeah, like if, if you wanted to go with a retro jersey. Now, Again, maybe, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a names rights thing. Maybe it's like whoever, whoever owns the, the intellectual property for it at this point. But like, if you look at the Quakers jersey, right? Black shoulders, orange. Black at like the the cuffs at the bottom of the sleeves, some some stripes. Some people might love it, some people might hate it, but something about paying homage to they were I think the they were the first team in Philly, right? They were I, I'm pretty sure they were the mm-hmm. first professional team. So like, why not pay homage there? Like that one is at least interesting, right? Yeah. I mean, I I think that considering they don't have a you know, wild design to kind of go back to, to harken back to like some of the ones that you mentioned before. Why not go back? I mean, even, even in the NBA, right? The Sixers, the one year they paid um, homage to the Syracuse Nats, right? Like why, why is this something that maybe wasn't explored? Could it be explored in the future? Like, I think that would be a pretty cool way to do it. Just an idea. I'm throwing it out. Listen, we know that people high up in the Flyers organization like to listen to this podcast. So you're welcome. I just made you a lot of money. If you can get the rights to use the Quakers, I will expect that to be an alternate jersey for the 2021-22 season. <laughs> we will come back to this clip. I will take a victory lap on it. But I think that would be like a pretty cool thing to do. Just me. I guess. I, guess. I mean, that, that one not so it doesn't bother me as much. I think that you're right with um, the other team, the other teams that may not have been NHL teams but played in the town. Um, you might have a a whole thing with the copyrights on those um, possible. Yeah. Uh, so that maybe that's, that's the case. And and who knows Quakers could have that copyright as well for all they we could. know. Yeah. Um, but the only, my only, by the way, my only great thing that I think that, is the thing that's awful about it is the Quakers played their first game in 1930. Yeah. So you would have had the, the ability to like make this a 90th anniversary kind of Jersey. Yeah. I'm just saying, uh, I'm not uh, saying it's the, perfect. Just throwing yeah, it out there. The only, the only thing that I, only thing I, I, I kind of go eh about is because not every city has that. Not every city has that historical connection to, to the sport. To be clear, I'm not saying for the entire league. I'm not saying for the whole NHL, like harken back to those. No, I'm I, I, I know what you're saying, but what I'm an, an expansion team. But the argument that I've been making here on this entire conversation is that it needed to be uniform across the league and it wasn't. And I think that that's why you have some that are good, some that are terrible. Yeah. If you went with a uniform ideology where you basically just gave uh, Adidas the 
free, you know, the freedom to say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to throw it back to this year. And if the mm-hmm. team didn't exist in that year, we'll go as far back as we can. Yeah. And then we're going to do that with, even if you want to do a little modification to it, like they did with the reverse quote unquote reverse retro, at least then it was all the same. But in this instance, it, it really reeks of team. What do you want? And then they did it and every team did something different. And you try and look at it and say, there is no rhyme or reason why any of these are happening right now. So I look at it as a big fail. You know, it's not a fail. The start of the season. (laughs) And while the league continues to hold to this idea of a January 1st start, we've talked a million times about the possibility of starting the season in a bubble. You brought up the idea a few weeks ago of uh, potentially having a number of teams travel to one city, uh, play a few games, almost play like a round-robin tournament, then a few days off, travel, go to another one. Uh, That has gained some traction, obviously, because people from the league were listening to Snow the Goalie a few weeks ago, and now that has gotten uh, plenty of of play in hockey circles. I wanted to see, Mr. Sanfilippo, since you have the ear of the hockey world, uh, any new ideas that have popped into your head or have you heard anything that makes it sound like uh, maybe people are uh, are <laughs> listening and trying to implement your uh, San Filippo plan? I, w- I wish that they would follow the San Filippo plan because the San Filippo plan is usually a good one. Um, but I doubt that they're listening into us. Well, what I what I did is, Russ, is I took it took the time um, to listen to uh, Bill Daly's call, the league call. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, you always listen for like little nuggets. You don't listen for full quotes. Because the full quote kind of buries the lead a lot of times with when people are talking to you. And so little nuggets in there that I was uh, trying to get to trying to glean. And, you know, he said things like they'll go to a city for 10 to 12 days and then have a week off. And that that echoed with me. I was like, okay, how can that happen? How can you make it work? How can you make a season work where teams are playing grouped together in one location for a span of 10 to 12 days um, and then have a week off and then be able to get a season in starting in January? And they were saying they kind of hinted that the Stanley Cup would end in mid-July. So everything would only be bumped back a couple weeks, a few weeks this year, as opposed to the entire summer. Yeah. So I looked at it and I said, okay. They're obviously going to, and you know, we know because of COVID and the travel restrictions, you're probably getting an all Canadian division. So all seven teams from Canada are going to be in the same division, which means you need to realign the other three divisions. So I came up with four divisions, Northeast, South, and West, right? Um, and they all pretty much fit. The only one I had to kind of fudge somebody, I had to fudge Columbus into the South because there's too many... <laughs> There's too many teams in the East. That's you just can't make it work, right? So, so I had a why fudge. Not, why not North, Middle, and South? Like I said two weeks ago, because there's not enough in the middle either. It doesn't really work. Plus, you want to keep, you want to maintain some rivalries, right? So, <laughs> so the Canadian, you have the Canadian division, the West. I have Minnesota, Chicago, Colorado, Vegas, Arizona, LA, San Jose, Anaheim. Makes sense, right? That's your. That's they're the teams that are that are furthest west. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, you could argue Dallas could fit into there but i put dallas in the south okay because the south you know with the southern teams sure so in the south i got i got dallas tampa florida st louis nashville carolina washington and columbus and then the east would be philly new jersey both new york's boston pittsburgh buffalo and detroit that's your east 
I'm upset with you. It's all, it's all, it's the same time zone. They're all in the same time zone. Yeah. It, I have to be honest with you. As much as I appreciate the thought that you put into it, as much as I think it probably makes logistical sense, I don't like it. Here's uh-huh. why. Go ahead. Here, here's why. Because I, I got I to explain more, but go ahead. Explain why you don't like that. The reason that I don't like it is because I like every time there is something that can fundamentally change the way that we go about uh, approaching a season. I like embracing the weird. So I don't want to see, I know that you, you have this idea of like maintaining the rivalries. I'd almost prefer that you don't. I'd almost prefer to just see the flyers go take on more Western conference teams throughout the season. Like I, I would rather see a higher number of matchups that we only get, you know, treated to once a year. I think that would be enjoyable because then you, you know, like we talked about a few weeks ago, like the idea is hopefully by the time the season is halfway through three quarters of the way through the world will be kind of opening back up. Sort of, we might be able to have fans and stands and then you can go back to where your, your typical traditional divisions. And then you can finish that out with division games based on the divisions that already exist. And then there's a, a higher onus and emphasis on finishing the season relative to your division and the rivalry games then matter. Way too complicated. It's not. It's Continue. way too complicated, Why? Russ, because you have to play more than half of your games in these, in these quote-unquote mini bubbles. Mm-hmm. You have to. So if you're right. playing more than half of your games in the mini bubbles, then you're going to play less than half of your games against division opponents? Why then do those rivalry games matter? What are you playing for? You're playing for your division. So the whole concept here is to limit travel, is to make it so that it's it's you know it's easily managed, and and so that you know in the once you, you know we coming when we're coming out of COVID, hopefully by the spring, that at that point you know you can do it in a way where it's just a little bit at a time. Say so, okay, well, well you're going to play these teams now. You're going to play these teams now, but still going to play most of the teams that you've been playing all year that you've been around all year. Mm-hmm. So you have a little bit of, you know, stepping out, but then you can come back. So here's how I put it together, Russ. You want to start January 1st, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously beginning of the season, you don't want it to be you don't want to throw too much at everybody right away, okay? You want to have them kind of ease in a little bit. So the way I looked at it is, is I broke this off into um, four blocks, okay? The first two are 10-day blocks and then the next two are 12-day blocks, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but you you stretch it out so that each division kind of overlaps the other so that there's always games. There's always hockey. Okay, but that each still each division gets a week off at the end of each block. Okay, okay. So just follow along here with the first block, and I think it'll make sense from there. So the way I have it starting is January first to January tenth, because it's the earliest you want to do the ones in Canada. Okay, let the Canadian teams go first. They got they're they're managing COVID better than we are in the states. Let them go first. So you have them play a ten day block in Toronto. All seven teams, you play six games each, six games in 10 days, okay? okay. Um, each, now each of these blocks are going to be intense in a number of games, but then you're knowing that you're getting a week back home, a week away from, I mean, you'll have practices, but you'll be a week off from okay. playing games each time, okay? So these 10-day 10 day, 10 day blocks, you play six games. So the, the first 10, January 1st to January 10th, that's the north, okay? January 4th to January 13th, start the south, Okay, so do it in Nashville, let's just say. I just picked mm-hmm. a random city. Um, January 7th to January 16th, you do the West, let's say okay. in Vegas. Uh, 
And then January 10th to January 19th, you do the East. Uh, and let's say Pittsburgh. Okay. Let's just pick a spot. Okay. And they play six game blocks. And then you continue the next round again, just pick up where we left off. The North teams would play the East, uh, South teams would play the West teams would play the East teams would play um, 18th to the 27th, 21st to the 30th, 24th to the second, 27th to the sixth. So now you've each team will have 12 games played by February 6th. Okay. And that's a little bit over a month. You played your first 12 games. Then it, then it intensifies a little bit more in, in February. You now make your trips 12 days in each block as opposed to 10. And okay. so you can play eight games. Okay. So basically what you're doing is you're going to do a three and four, a two and four, and a three and four. All right. There's three games and four nights, two and four nights, three and four nights. That's how it's going to be. Um, again, staying within your divisions. Okay. You do that in February. And then you do that at the end of February into the beginning of March, beginning, middle of March. Again, all of these games are being played within your division. So you've now played 28 games by the time we get to March 6th, middle of March, 28 games have been played. We're going to play a 48 game season. Okay. This is the same thing that they did when they had the lockouts in 95. And in 2013, they played a 48 game season. Okay. Right now from March, this is where it gets interesting. Um, March 13th to the 23rd, the seven North teams will play four more division games, two at home and two away. Now you're in your home arenas. Okay. By mid March mm-hmm. may not have fans yet, but you should, we should by at that point be able to have teams play and travel to each other's arena. Okay. Yep. Um, March 16th to the 23rd, uh, you do the South teams. Uh, they play four games. March 20th to the 23rd, the West teams play two games. Then the 24th to the 2nd, March 24th to May 2nd, this is the end of the season. The seven North teams have to play four more division games plus 12 non-division games. And that means that they're going to travel. They're finally, by, that, by this point, we hope by April, the Canadian teams can come into the United States to play 12 games, whether it, whether it's Vancouver going down to San Jose and LA, you know, or Calgary and Edmonton, just play like in the West, you know, whoever your opponents are, you just match them up that. So it's an easy travel. Okay. Yep. The eight South teams um, play eight division games and eight non-division games. The eight West teams have 10 division games and eight non-division games. And the eight East teams have 12 division games and eight non-division games because they have uh, the least travel to do because they're all in one, you know, within mostly train rides or short plane rides. So they'll have to play 20 games uh, in the span of a month and, uh, you know, a month and five weeks, as opposed to uh, the other teams have to play 16 games. So they get a couple extra in the East. Um, Then your quarter, your playoffs start May 6th. And I have the Stanley cup finals running June 26th to July 10th. Okay traditional setup yeah see what i'm saying so so there are many bubbles and they're in different and you could do it in a different city for each of those four blocks doesn't always have to be how many games did that work out to be sorry 48 total so you end up playing the the north has a little bit different because they only have seven teams in their division so they have to play 36 division games and and 12 non-division games okay um the the other three divisions would play 40 division games and eight non-division games Mm-hmm. Um, because there's eight teams in those in those divisions, um, but yeah, so you're mostly playing. You're mostly playing within your division. Then your playoffs come, and you do it the traditional way. This is again, this is just one season. You play out of your division, so you got to play the top four teams in your division. That's who makes the playoffs. One plays four, two plays three. The winners play each other. Then you play the team from another division in the conference finals, and then you play a team from the other 
conference and in the Stanley cup final, mm-hmm. what excites, I think the NHL for this is if you put all the Canadian teams in one division and you force them to play each other to get to the conference finals, it guarantees one of your final four teams is from Canada probably gets the potential of a Canadian team, even making the Stanley cup final and potentially winning it for the first time since 1993. So it gets the whole country kind of fired up up there. Um, I think that there's a lot to kind of, that kind of becomes very traditional 1980s in a sense with this. Um, And again, it's one year and then you go back to what you used to do before. But I I think that the idea here is, is you keep teams in the general geographic vicinity for most of the year, you play games against the same teams, you make the division matter, and then you go into your playoffs and you get it done with, you know, giving teams the opportunity to have 10 home games in their own building in the second half of the year, maybe have some fans and, and take it from there. I dig it. You put a lot of thought into it. I'm not going to rip into it. I'm going to let it kind of marinate. Like I have some chicken thighs in the fridge doing right now and a nice <laughs> buttermilk. Um, yeah, let's, we'll, uh, let's get into unpacking that. Maybe next week we'll, uh, we'll solicit some thoughts from the people. And I'm sure that there are going to be other, uh, other writers and other shows that are going to uh, grab onto it, try to make it their own. And, and we'll see Yeah, in a, week, in a week from now, we'll take a look at it and we'll see uh, if anybody's come up with a, uh, a San Filippo plan 1.2 or 2.0, it'll get to the league. We're confident that the league will hear it. Yeah, I'm pretty certain they will. I appreciate you putting the, uh, the thought into it though. Thanks. That's appreciate really it. nice. That's really nice of you. All right. Um, We've got two things that we need to touch on before we head out. Uh, one was something that, that you had. Um, you had a, a chance to talk to somebody from the organization about some prospects. I wanted to kind of turn the floor back over to you for this one. Yeah, so I, I had an opportunity to sit down uh, for about a half hour and uh, talk to Assistant General Manager Brent Flair. Um, just, I just wanted to kind of pick his brain about what, you know, what the experience is for the team. And not just, I mean, obviously not just the Flyers. Every team's going through this. But I mean, you, you know, there's a most of the leagues uh junior hockey and 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 the ahl and the echl haven't started um they don't they have tentative start dates but we don't know if they're going to start um college hockey under the big 10 started but that's the only one the other divisions have not started or haven't announced what they're going to do um and they have a few players playing in europe so it's just kind of like all over the place you know the way you develop players they're going, the NHL is kind of going through right at this moment, what major league baseball went through in the sense that they don't have a way to develop them other than, other than stay on top of them for, um, you know, training and, you know, make sure that they're doing the right kind of physical training and stuff like that. These guys are not playing hockey. And, and so what does it mean? Um, so I wanted to talk to him about that, but I also want to kind of pick his brain on some prospects and see where they are and, and maybe kind of get an idea. You know, if you remember, he was a guy, who had told me, um, you know, hey, watch for Connor Bunneman to potentially make the roster out of camp six months before camp last year, and then lo and behold, Connor Bunneman made the, made the roster out of coming out of camp. So, like, there, there, you know, you you look for those names that come up in conversation, um, and the the names that he brought up, and these aren't a surprise um, as far as uh, players that you think that are going to probably you know have a real shot to make this team are Tanner Lachinsky and Wade Allison. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know everybody's kind of talking about them um, in lieu of the fact that the Flyers did not um, 
uh, you know, make a big splash in free agency up front on the forward lines uh, and still haven't made any trades. Not that anybody has, there hasn't been a trade in, in the NHL in 36 days or th- yeah, 36 days now. Um, so I, I think that those guys are probably going to get a crack at it. And I think that they might get a crack at it ahead of Morgan Frost. Wow. Um, I'm not saying that Morgan won't get a crack at it. I think Morgan will get a crack at it, but I think that they think Lachinsky and Allison, because they're more mature, because they played four years of college hockey and are a little bit older. And when I mean mature, I mean physically mature. I think that they feel like those guys are more ready to play at the NHL level. Not to say that Morgan Frost won't be. I think that, you know, he had some good things to say about Morgan and he thinks Morgan will play in the NHL this year. It just might be 20 games in before we see Morgan Frost um, uh, in the NHL. So those were the two names that I thought were um, the most, you know, the most interesting as far as the main uh, club was concerned. As far as where guys are, um, uh, he was still really high on Isaac Ratcliffe said that uh, he was really on the come last year when uh, the league shut down, when the AHL shut down because of COVID. Yeah. Um, they really felt like he was, he was right there, ready to go. He's been working with uh, putting on some weight uh, and, and uh, working on his skating. And they really like where he, they think where he's at. And they think that he's closer than you'd expect. Um, I, I'd look into it and say that, you know, the guys who are on loan in Europe, they still are high on, which I was surprised because I thought Rupsoff might be a guy that they might have like, been like, oh, you know, this guy's not really panning out. But because of some of the injuries that he's had um, and he's playing over there pretty regularly in the KHL, he's been healthy. He's played 19 games. He's played actually more games than any of their prospects at this point. Um, they, they feel like, you know, he's getting the time that he needs to get and, and he's staying healthy and, and skating and he'll be in a good spot once they're able to come back over here. So I, th- I still think that they think highly of Rupsoff. Um, they think the Lena Sandine is going to need time in the AHL, but they think that he's a guy that will compete for time in the NHL at some point. Um, Maxime Shushko, they really like a lot. Um, he's playing over in the KHL right now. Um, and they think that he's been a steady progressor, as well. Um, so those were some interesting names uh, as far as guys who are under contract. Um, he did say they love, they still love the personality of Sam Moran. They root hard for him, but he did admit it's going to be tough for him to get back. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens because he's going to have to clear waivers in order to get sent down to the AHL. So, I mean, I think he will. And I mean, who's going to take a flyer on a guy who hasn't played hockey in two years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I think he'll clear the waivers. So that's an interesting thing. Um, we talked about uh, Jay O'Brien, who was the other first round pick um, with, uh, with, was he with Farabee or was he with Frost? I forget when they had the year they had two first, I think it was Farabee. Jay O'Brien was just the other first rounder. He left the university of Providence last year. Didn't have a good situation there. Went and played in British Columbia, uh, and then ended up going back to uh, he's now at Boston University. He's just waiting for uh, college hockey to start, but they feel like him getting a fresh start there and um, will kind of jumpstart him. They still are high on him, very high on him as a, as a potential down the road prospect here. Um, uh, interesting news is that Yale, uh, they bagged, and not just Yale, but the Ivy League canceled all winter sports. So Jack St. Ivany, who's a fourth round pick by the team in 2018, um, he's still at Yale uh, and it's a tough decision. Do you stay and wait? 
Um, or do you go and play somewhere else? Do you transfer to another college? Do you um, try and play USHL or, or somewhere else? You know, what do you do? He said, uh, expect a decision on that here in the next week or two. Um, and then there are four players um, who they have to make a decision on as far as entry-level contracts by June 1st. And the only one of the, so the four players are Yegor Serduk, who was a sixth round pick in 2019. Ali Lixell was a sixth round pick in 2017. Mason Millman, a uh, fourth round pick in 2019. Uh, and Roddy Ross, who's a goalie, uh, sixth round pick in 2019. The only one that it really sounded like that they were interested in keeping was Millman. Uh, he talked at length about Millman. Um, he kind of felt like the other guys have something to prove if they want to, you know, earn that entry level contract. Um, so those, those were the other things we talked about. And we, of course, we talked about Elliot Desnoyer, who's off to a torrid start in the queue. He's got 22 points in 14 games for Halifax. Um, Halifax. Yeah. I just, he just said, you know, he said, listen, he's a, he was a guy that, you know, we felt that he was on a really veteran team in Moncton last year. And so he was playing down in the lineup that they felt if they get given a chance to play more would do more. And they picked him in the fifth round and so far so good with that. And one other note I wanted to make, and this is classic flyers, you know, they signed Zade wisdom to his entry level contract, Yep. which it's not a surprise for Tyson Forrester being a first round pick, but you don't normally sign your fourth round pick to an entry level contract. Like, within weeks of drafting him right but they yeah. did they signed Zade wisdom to his entry-level contract and it was presented the way it was presented to me was they i mean they they believe in him they think he's going to be an nhl quality player yeah. but because of his situation where he was coming from because of his background because his family doesn't have a lot because you know they went through times when their uh, electric was turned off and they didn't have food and stuff like that they felt like it would give him something to kind of help the family um, and get them started to get him under contract and getting him earning money um, right away. And so like, that's a, you know, it's that's kind cool of lost. Move. It's a very cool move. And people don't really realize it for that. But I, I think that that should be pointed out that, you know, whether Zade Wisdom ever makes it in the NHL or not, and I sure hope he does. Um, the fact that the Flyers were, were willing to give him three years worth of money just to guarantee that, you know, they don't have to, that he doesn't have to live in, in the situation that he lived in anymore. I think that's pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. You know what else is pretty awesome, Anthony? A new segment that we're introducing here to our friends and our listeners. Here we go. At Snow the Goalie. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Know the Goalie. That's right. Not Mow the Goalie. That's our upcoming landscaping team. <laughs> Not Grow the Goalie. No, that's... That's when we got our, our special Chia Pet. Not throw the goalie. Oh, no. That's our line of footballs that we'll have coming out at some point. No, no, no. Know the goalie. Anthony, mm. I'm going to hit you with a random fact, and I want to see how you do. Now, is this just Flyers goalies? It is not just Flyers goalies. Now, Ugh. for this okay. inaugural uh, episode, this inaugural segment, I am not picking a Flyers goalie, but I'm picking something that is you know, potentially common knowledge. It's a fun fact. It's something that some of our listeners will get right off the bat. Are you ready? I'm ready. And, and you can ask for clues. Who holds the longest undefeated streak by a goalie in a single season? Stop typing. You're totally typing looking this up. I am not. The longest undefeated streak by a goalie in a single season. <sighs> 
You say clue and I'll give you a clue. Well, and, and you said you're not going flyers, right? I'm not going flyers. You're totally looking this. So I, the reason, I the reason, I was, I'll, because I'll be honest with you, my first guess was going to be Pete Peters because of no. the streak. But I know that that's, that's when you said it's not a flyer. Um, that's why I didn't, I didn't want to go that. Um, okay. Clues. Um, it's a, it is a team in the Northeast. Team in the Northeast. <sighs> I'll give you a decade. The seventies. So are we going Boston? Yes. So if we're going Boston, I would have to go, let's say 70s, Joe Gilbert. Incorrect. No. I think early in the decade. Uh, earlier than Gilbert, huh? Hmm. 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 Jerry Cheevers. Jerry Cheevers is correct. Okay. Of course, Jerry Cheevers won undefeated in 32 consecutive games, wow. including 24 wins and eight ties without a loss. Um, that season, he split starts with Eddie Johnston. So it, it stands to reason that had he not been in so much of a share, it could have even gone longer. But 32, get, can you imagine going 32 consecutive games without a loss? Without a loss. Well, that's why I thought, Peter, like, I don't remember how many of those of the Flyers 35 game win streak that Peters played, but I know he played a lot of them. Yeah. Um, so that's why I was, that, that was my initial thought right off the bat. And then yep. you know, he said Boston in the seventies, Gilles Gilbert was my first guess, but it goes back even further than him. So, so if you listen to us and you follow us over on Twitter at snow, the goalie on Instagram at snow, the goalie on Facebook, facebook.com slash snow, the goalie, let us know in the comments about this episode or just tweet at us. Let us know if you got it correct. If you did, Anthony will give you a prize. Don't ask me what the prize is because I have no idea. There is no prize. It's a prize of uh, uh, bragging. You get bragging rights, and you can hold it over Anthony's head for, from now until the end of time. Well, I wasn't bad that I got no, it. No, it was a good job. Three, three guesses, right? Good job out of you. So With know the goalie. Clue, know the goalie, a new segment here on the podcast. Of course, if you have a random fact or a bit of trivia that you would like to contribute to the Know the Goalie segment, you can actually, believe it or not, you can send it over to us either on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram, or you can email it to us. That's right. Email it to us. Snowthegoalie at gmail.com. Let us know any kind of random weird fact that you might have about goalies. We'll be happy to take. All right. That wraps up an episode, a fun, a semi-weekly episode of Snow the Goalie, the Only Flyers podcast, the People's podcast, the Players podcast, the Prognosticators podcast, the Presidential podcast, the Pampers podcast, the PD Light podcast, the Only Flyers podcast. Follow us on Twitter at AntSanPhilly, at JoyOnBroad, at SnowTheGoalie. Same things over on Instagram and, of course, Facebook.com slash SnowTheGoalie. Do us a favor. In the uh, description of this episode, you will find the GoFundMe that we talked about right off the bat, off the top of the episode. You'll also see another link uh, it, it looks kind of silly. It's love my, uh, what is it? Love the podcast.com slash STG. That is uh, a way that it'll redirect you regardless of whatever device you're on to leave a review for the show. It'll give you the option, depending on if you're on an Apple native device, Android, Windows, whatever, it'll redirect you to an app where you can leave a review for the show. Greatly appreciate it. Helps us climb in the rankings and uh, greatly appreciated. So for Anthony at Ant San Philly, I'm Russ at Joanne Broad. Thanks for listening to Snow the Goalie. We will talk to you again very soon.